Together, they've got Dartmouth covered. Now, go behind the stories and meet the people making news with Standard Times reporter Amy Chevaroli and Chronicle editor Bill Devitt. This is Dartmouth Digest. I love his pictures. Not only does he have an amazing eye, not only are his pictures evocative, accurate, creative, but he's also become a great friend and somebody I trust. Those are the words of Barack Obama in 2017, just before leaving office after eight years in the White House. He's talking about a man he highly respects, a man he trusted enough to have by his side and in his face every day of his presidency. He's talking about Pete Souza, a veteran photojournalist who worked his way into the ultimate assignment. As the White House chief photographer under Obama, he snapped a staggering 1.9 million photos of the 44th president, sometimes thousands per day. Each photo tells a story about the president, about the country, but also about the man behind the camera. It's Pete's story that interests me. It has for a long time. That's because it's a story that begins in Dartmouth, Massachusetts. I'm Phil Devitt of Dartmouth Digest, and I'm happy to report that in this special episode, Pete Souza is our guest. Regular listeners of this podcast will know that Dartmouth is the town my co-host Amy Chevaroli and I cover for The Chronicle, The Standard Times, and SouthCoastToday.com. What you might not know is that some stories are harder to get than others. I had been trying on and off to get an interview with Pete Souza since Obama's last year in office. I wrote to him, and he wrote back. He was busy, understandably so, especially as Obama's term came to an end. But maybe, just maybe, we could work something out. In journalism, sometimes you've got to just go for it. So, one time, I pitched taking the train down to D.C., hanging out in the Oval Office, and... To quote my perhaps too casual email to Pete, quote, watch you do what you do. Pete politely let me know that my request, chilling with him in the prez, was highly unlikely to happen. Hey, it was worth a shot. I tried. But really, I would have met Pete anywhere. I mainly wanted to talk with him about life before photography, growing up in Dartmouth, and, of course, I was fascinated by his life since leaving town, the incredible moments he's documented, the fascinating people he's met. In 2017, Pete showed up at the UMass Dartmouth commencement, where he was honored with the Chancellor's Medal. Again, I tried to meet up with him, but the fates would not allow. Then, in late 2017, almost a year out of the White House, Pete released a book, it's a hefty hardcover, five pounds, 352 glossy pages, filled with the most iconic photos of the Obama presidency. Some you've probably seen before. History-defining moments. Obama and his advisors huddled around a situation room table the night SEAL Team 6 killed Osama bin Laden. Or Obama applauding the passage of the Affordable Care Act, what Pete calls Obama's happiest day in office. Some photos are iconic for other reasons, for the humanity Pete captured. Obama on a trip to London, shaking the hand of three-year-old Prince George, 
who's in his pajamas. Or Obama in the Oval Office, bending down to let a little black boy feel the top of his head, a photo Pete calls hair like mine. The book is titled Obama, an Intimate Portrait. That's exactly what it is. And the former president wrote the foreword for the guy he calls his friend, confidant, and brother. In part, Obama wrote, Having Pete around made my life better. And if there's one gift for which I'm even more grateful to Pete than his friendship, it's the many photos he captured of my family. Frozen moments of Malia and Sasha, who grew up so fast. Exquisite images of Michelle in her spectacular service as First Lady. Snapshots of Beau and Sonny frolicking on the South Lawn or discovering snow for the first time. And, above all, the millions of faces that make up the proud, diverse, optimistic, big-hearted character of America. Faces in the crowd that I'll always cherish seeing. Thankful that Pete's talented eyes saw them first. Pete is on a sort of tour for the book, a tour that recently brought him to Boston and the Edward M. Kennedy Institute for the United States Senate. The Institute reached out to us to ask if we'd cover Pete's presentation. We asked the Institute if it could arrange an interview with Pete. The Institute said, maybe. A couple of hours before the event, we got more than a maybe, we got a yes. We could have some time with Pete just before the presentation, but we had to hurry. And by we, I mean me. I dashed out of the newsroom, got in my car, zoomed up to Boston, obeying the speed limit, of course, passed the line of eager Pete fans waiting outside the Institute to a back room where the soft-spoken man himself was waiting. In the raw audio we're about to play, you'll hear me negotiating at times with someone else in the room, a representative of the Kennedy Institute. She was keeping time because, hey, Pete had places to be that night. But she and Pete were very gracious and allowed the chat to go on for as long as they possibly could. We talked Dartmouth, what makes a good photographer, what Pete really thinks of his former boss, the president, and why he was relieved when, abruptly, after eight years on the inside, it was all over. I know that you, you're based in D.C. now. You traveled all over the world. We're about an hour north of New Bedford, Dartmouth, but what's it like when you get the chance to come home? Well, I mean, usually when I go home, uh, it, it's, it's to uh, visit my mom, which I did on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, my sister from Vermont came down, so... Uh, it, it's usually to see family, and it, the, the thing I think about in when I come to Boston is um, I went to school here, I went to BU, and uh, sort of like walk the places that I used to, uh, you know, used to uh, spend my time in when I was uh, at BU. Uh, I was here. I guess it was in early February for uh, a, a uh, award at BU, and it was kind of fun to walk mm. into the old dark room, which still exists, believe it or not, wow. at at at, uh, at Com, 
Um, so it all comes flooding back. Yeah, yeah, all the memories come flooding back. Uh, did you attend New Bedford High School? Dartmouth. Dartmouth High. Yeah. So, um, born in New Bedford? Or? Uh, I was born in New Bedford, but lived, I think, all but like the first, I think for the first 11 months of my life, I, was in, I lived in New Bedford. But after that, I lived in Dartmouth until I moved away. So when you think about growing up in, in Dartmouth and southeastern Massachusetts, what comes back to mind for you all these years later? Well, we lived in two houses. So I lived in one house until I was about 12 or 13. Uh, out on Smithnick Road, and then uh, uh, we we moved to uh, Middle Street, which is right across from St. Mary's Church. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, we I, I guess as a as a very young kid, um, it, to, I, I, what I remember the most is. Uh, um, playing some sort of sports after school every day. Mm-hmm. It was the, there was no video games or right. everything was uh, you know either football or basketball or, or baseball every day with with my friends and uh, you know that's sort of what I remember the, mo- the most is just being outside all the time. Does the place where you grew up did it influence the course of your life and all the places you've been and your chosen profession or I guess more broadly how does where you grow up shape the the person you've become in general maybe not even attached to career well I mean I think that it, you know every everything in my life shapes who I've become you know including you know where I grew up yeah. I mean I can't point to any like specific you know, revelation like this is what made me do. Um, I mean, I didn't even start taking pictures until I was a junior in college. Um, it, it, but yet I, I now remember uh, uh, spending most of my time when I was looking at books, looking at the at, at the photographs, and being you know. Uh, Having having the photographs mean more to me sometimes than the words. I mean, I think about that now. I didn't really think about it at the time. Uh, when when in 1965, I think it was, my parents took me, me and my sister, to uh, Washington D.C. and uh, we visited the White House, and we got this book called The Living White House which I used to look at all the time, just all the pictures of the different rooms in the White House. And at the time, LBJ was the president, so there were lots of candid pictures of LBJ and some of, of President Kennedy in that book. Right. Uh, and, you know, I was at my mom's house the other day, and that book is still sitting on the bookshelf. Um, and, you know, obviously that had to have some meaning to me. Mm-hmm. Because I used to look at that book all the time, but it, it it wasn't like I aspired someday to become, you know, a White House photographer. But because of the fact that I did, I look back on that book as uh, you know something that always interested me. Right. Like life doesn't always have those big movie moments where there's no. the defining mode that changes everything for you. But you look back and maybe subconsciously, all these things had an effect. 
Um, no, I mean, I think the big moment for me was taking that first photo class at mm-hmm. BU. I think that was that was probably the the, the one moment where uh, you know, for once in my life, it was like that's what I want to do because I knew I wasn't good enough to play, you know, baseball or basketball. Or it's funny because Ted Kennedy's former chief of staff is somebody I used to play basketball with every day after school. Oh, no Jerry Kavanaugh. Wow. And uh, I told people, he was like really, really a good basketball player as high school basketball players go. And he used to clean our clock. Uh, <laughs> but. Wow. So, two more questions? Okay. I know just the two then. Great. Um, it's been a year and change now since the Obama presidency ended. I'm sure toward the end of his time in office, you were bombarded with interview requests and questions and all sorts of things. Now that you have an additional year has passed, how do you frame those eight years uh, in in the White House? I mean, I think what I, what what one of the interesting things about doing a book is. Um, trying to uh, show a narrative of what I thought uh, his presidency was like. Um, and by and large, the, the, the book was uh, put together and edited with no uh, thought uh, um, to include what was happening in today's politics, you know, just sort of uh, um, uh, trying to take a f- uh, as fresh a look as I could at what I had just experienced with him. I- I'll bet if I were putting the book together this year instead of last year, uh, I might think about it differently because of. Um, where we are today in, in, in our politics, right? Um, so, I mean, I guess the the short answer to your question is uh, it's 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 uh, um, it's it's always changing, you know. Right. And um, I I I was for a time. Uh, White House photographer during the Reagan administration, which a lot of people find baffling, but sure. And uh, I'm I'm now uh, they have the, the the Reagan Library now has every proof sheet that I ever shot online, so I can go through all my you know twenty thousand proof sheets or whatever it was that I shot, and there's pictures now that I find from the 1980s that at the time meant nothing to me and uh, and now given just what's happened in the last 35 years take on a whole different meaning sure. uh, so I'm sure that that's going to I'm going to continually um, uh, ch- you know, change how I look back on the Obama years not significantly, but um, you know, and I think history will. I think history will judge him uh, very well. 
but you never know. Mm-hmm. You know, you just it, a lot of times it just depends what happens in the future, right? Right. Finally, I don't want to misquote you here, but I believe you at one point said that at the outset of the Obama administration, your mission was to create the best archive, photographic archive ever of a U.S. president. Do you feel that you succeeded? Uh, I did say that. I've said that, and um, I, I, I think I'll say that tonight, too, if, if I remember that line. Um, and I think it's for other people to judge. I mean, I think that uh, I, I, I kind of gave it everything I had. And, um, I, you know, I think I think I did a pretty good job. Um, but, you know, other people are going to have to judge, judge me on that. Um, and I know that was supposed to be the last one, but how, we how do you know? Oh, do you have to? I don't want to. If you have to go, you oh. have to go. Oh, we got plenty of time. But just um, uh, I said to, as long as we were done by six forty. So we're okay. Um, thank you. Uh, I know that you also teach uh, photojournalism. Um, I don't teach currently. Not not currently. Okay. No. Um, and there has to be so much that goes into the process. What advice do you give to people who come up to you and say, "I want to be, I want to be like you. <laughs> I want to, I want to make good pictures." Where do you begin? I mean, what I, I, I sort of steal a line that I heard uh, an author say on an interview on uh, NPR um, it's a famous author and was asked the same question basically what do you tell aspiring writers and he said uh, said the best advice I have is um, write one page every day you know be disciplined about it but write one page every day that's how you can become a good writer so if you apply that to photography or photojournalism, it's go out and take pictures every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to take it one step further, have people critique your work. Right. And, um, you know, I, I sort of, I think I got the most from people who were critical of my work. And not necessarily praising it, um, and I, you know, I think now I'm my, I'm my own toughest critic because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that would be my advice: just get out there and and shoot photos every day. Were there times uh, in the in the Obama presidency where you'd come back from, you know, a trip with him or? You know, off at this event and that event, and and not be happy with your work. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. and there are some days. Uh, it, 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 usually on trips, there there will always be some circumstances where uh, you, you know you couldn't help but but make you know good pictures. I mean, if you go to Stonehenge or you know Petra Jordan or something like that, you're bound to you know have a few good ones but I mean the days some of the days at the White House were were harder than others in terms of 
um, you know, a lot of times my job was like watching paint dry because, you know, not a lot's going on. I mean, if, if it's a day day of just, you know, seven meetings or something and people tend to sit in the same place they sat in the day before and they may be talking about something differently, but mm-hmm. visually it's not much is changing. So there are there are you know certainly days at the White House where you're kind of you know banging your head against the wall, wondering if you know something's going to happen that'll make a good picture. And I and I got to say that the, the that's sort of like the price you pay for what you know waiting for these once in a lifetime moments because I, I I think my favorite pictures are not necessarily the ones from big events but mm-hmm. just from like little small moments but they tell you a lot about him as a as a person I, I find just thinking back over your images that the particularly memorable ones for me I'll have children in them I think there's so many great moments with kids yeah and then you know that that sort of became a thing for a while some guy started this hashtag Obama and kids oh, yeah. And I'll show a few of those tonight, right? But I mean, and and I and I think that it tells you a lot about his personality, the way he, you know, does interact with kids. Um, and you know, you can see he's a grandfather in waiting. I mean, not to pressure Malia because she's only eighteen or turned nineteen. Yeah. There's time, right? <laughs> but he's—I mean—you know he's going to relish, uh, you know, and. 10 or 15 years when he has grandkids you can just sort of see see the kind of grandfather he's going to be and I'm sure that's the way you know I didn't I met Malia and Sasha when they were 3 and 6 um, and then of course when they were at the White House they were old, a little older so the little kid part of his life had already I sort of missed that but I'll bet he was the same way with Sasha and Malia when they were you know, one and two and three years old. Mm-hmm. Seems like an obvious question to ask, but why is a photographic record and an extensive photographic record uh, of the U.S. presidency so important? Well, I'll turn it around and say, why isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it? Can you imagine if we had this kind of a look at... Uh, Abraham Lincoln's presidency you know and all the things and turmoil he had to deal with right Uh, I mean I just it it would just be uh, educational uh, you know people for generations uh, would be looking at those pictures and learn so much about what what that time period was like Um, we live in a visual age now that's right and um, I think the, you know, put the book aside, but in, you know, 20 years, 50 years, people are going to be able to look at all the pictures I've shot and, you know, gain an understanding of what he's like as a person, what his presidency was like, the obstacles he had to face. Um, and, and I just... I just like would love to have seen that um, from you know some of our revered presidents Jefferson and Lincoln and right is it, is it weird or how does it feel 
to go from spending almost every day with this man, President Obama, to you're out in the world again? Yeah, I mean, it, the for me, it was I was so I was I was ready to leave. Like eight years is long enough. I mean, I um, never wanted to miss anything. So in eight years, I took one sick day. That was it. One sick day. And it and it wasn't because I was sick. It was because I had to undergo anesthesia for a colonoscopy. But. Otherwise, I'd ne- you know, never would have taken a sick day. Does this mean I didn't get sick? I did get sick, but I would always show up to work because I was afraid I would, you know, miss something. So doing that for eight years and um, it it just consumes your life. Sure. So I was like January twentieth. I was probably one of the happier people in the country, even though you know the election didn't go go the way we all wanted. Um, it was. It was. There was a sense of relief that I that I wasn't going to have to be all consuming with this guy again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, so I, I didn't. I don't miss it at all. Yeah. I mean, I miss interacting with with him on a daily basis, and, and and really with all the hundreds of people that work at the White House, and not just the Obama people, but. Um, you know the Secret Service. The the uh, there, there's a whole host of people that stay at the White House, no matter who the president is. The butlers, the the the, the chef, the groundskeepers, the ushers. I mean, I miss like all the interaction with all those different people. Sure. But I don't miss photographing him every day. Like eight years was was enough. And the all-consuming work that goes into it yeah. behind the scenes once you get back to the office, too, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so you put this, I guess last question, you, you, you put this book together. Um, having done so uh, and having spent so many moments with President Obama, what's the, the, the big takeaway you want to deliver to people? What do you, what's, what's the big thing you want people to know about him and that time in uh, America? Yeah, I mean, th- th- this was a guy who, who, who tried to do, uh, always tried to do, uh, I think, what was best for uh, uh, for other people. Um, it, you know, in, in some ways, I think it's helpful that uh, he started out as a community organizer. Um, I know sometimes that got you know belittled during the, the campaign and stuff. I think that's like a valuable experience for a president to have, actually. Um, and 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 I think that he was also uh, someone who um, was uh, respectful to others. Whether it be a head of state or, you know, um, the uh, custodian at the White House, and that he was respectful to the office uh, in, in a way that, um, how can I say this without uh, getting myself into trouble? 
I think he respected the office in a way that uh, currently, uh, you know, our current president maybe doesn't as much. Uh, and I think we've, we've lost that a little bit. Um, but I think it's more than anything just that he was um, always trying to do what was right for, for other people. That's Pete Souza from Boston. Later in the evening, after his presentation to a packed house, I told Pete that I wished we'd had more time to chat. You'd be bored after 20 minutes, he told me. Somehow, I don't think that's true. He's got a lot of stories. In addition to Obama, Pete also photographed Ronald Reagan during his time in the White House. He also was an assistant professor of photojournalism at Ohio University, a freelancer for National Geographic, and the national photographer for the Chicago Tribune, where he met Barack Obama, then a rising senator. The book is called Obama, An Intimate Portrait, and it was published by Little Brown and Company in 2017. The Edward M. Kennedy Institute for the United States Senate is dedicated to educating the public about the important role of the Senate in our government, encouraging participatory democracy, invigorating civil discourse, and inspiring the next generation of citizens and leaders to engage in the civic life of their communities. Through interactive exhibits, immersive educational offerings, and engaging programs in both Boston and Washington, D.C., the Institute engages students and visitors in a conversation about how each person can affect change at the community local, and national levels. You can learn more at emkinstitute.org. The words at the beginning from Barack Obama come from CBS News. I'm Phil Devitt. Dartmouth Digest is a production of The Chronicle, The Standard Times, and SouthCoastToday.com at South Coast Media Group in New Bedford, Massachusetts. <laughs>